Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you a little bit homesick? Amen. Are you getting ready to go? Amen. If you're not ready, you better get ready. Amen. I truly believe that we are living in the last days. Amen. I truly hope we're living in the last days. Amen. The more and more I see in this old world things being celebrated that ought not be celebrated in the highest offices and the places of the land, amen, uh, just it makes me wonder uh, how much longer, Lord, amen. It is so good to be here with you today, amen, good to be able to celebrate uh, Brother and Sister Robbins, amen, at their reception, and uh, we had intended to go to uh, their wedding, and uh, we had was making the plans, and I happened to look on the calendar, and I called him. I said, "Brother, the next weekend is Mother's Day. Who plans a wedding the week before Mother's Day? A long way off." I'm not going to say who he blamed it on. I'm not going to get in the midst of all of that. But it just wasn't possible. We regret that and hate that. But so thankful that we could be a part of last night. Amen. And uh, it's only fitting we were a part of their first date. And... Uh, I told my wife, I said, now, we can't play chaperone this whole time now. This this, this is ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> so good to meet Brother and Sister Akers. Amen. And uh, enjoyed meeting them. And uh, I just kind of felt a little kindred spirit with him. Amen. And just enjoyed that so much. Amen. It's always good to be back in apostolic life. Amen. And just thankful for this church. Amen. And it's so good, to, as always, to be with my buddy, my friend, a voice in my life. Amen. I love Brother Robbins. Amen. Today I want to direct your attention to the book of Psalms, the 84th chapter. And Psalms, the 84th chapter. Verse 3, I'm going to preach to you about something that every one of us need every day of our life. Amen. Psalms 84 and verse 3 says, Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The sparrow had found a house and the swallow a nest for herself. Amen. I'm so thankful. Amen. For the house of God. Amen. Thankful for the comfort of the house of God. We have had an ongoing battle at Landmark. 
uh, for the last I don't know how many years. Every spring, the birds want to lay nest uh, up under the the porch, and they make such a mess. And I I've went to streams and gotten long, sharp nails and uh, added to a, a piece of a, a thin wood and put up there where it would not be comfortable for them and uh, that worked for a little bit and not just a week or so back I looked out there and and they were back and uh, one of the young men said brother Givens you want me to get it and I said I do he said there's an egg in it I said well I hate to be cruel I said but that thing made such a mess so we come back the next service he said brother Givens it's back I said, get it, get it down. Come back the next service. He said, Brother Givens, that bird's back. I said, I said, well, leave that bird alone. I said, I wish I knew people that that was that stubborn. Amen. To come to the house of the Lord, man, what are you doing? So we left the bird alone, and uh, it, it, it's there. Amen. I want to preach to you today about a masterpiece of mercy. A masterpiece of mercy. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to talk to us. Lord Jesus, I'm so very thankful for your word. Thankful, dear God, for the grace and mercy that you show in our life. I'm thankful, dear God, for all that you do for us, God. The way that you wrap your arms about us and you just love us, dear God. I'm thankful, dear God, that we can call upon you this day. And God, that we can all obtain the mercy of you. I pray today that you would help me, God, to use me, anoint me, God, to minister to your people, the apple of your eye. God, to help us today to receive of what your word would say. I pray to move in a mighty way, in a miraculous way, dear God. Lord, to help us, dear Savior. And I praise you, dear God, and I magnify you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. Amen. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone with whom it's one's power to punish or to harm. Another way to put it is mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Amen. Mercy, we've all had to receive it, and we all must give it. Amen. We look in the Word of God, Matthew 5 and 7, makes a very plain statement about the merciful. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. My pastor, Brother Hilton, uh, he, he calls me pastor now. That don't sound right to me, but he's my pastor Uh, He says, I show mercy because I have to have mercy. And so when you think about that, the opposite of blessing uh, or obtaining the mercy would be uh, the cursed or the unmerciful, for they shall not attain mercy. And that's a true statement. Matthew 6 and 14, it, it gives a little insight, the word of the Lord speaking to us, Jesus talking. And uh, uh, it's, it's 
in, it's in red. It's one of those uh, real important things like everything else there, but it's something sometimes that uh, it, it's easier to read and it's easier to preach about than what it is to live. But he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And, and it, that, that, that's something that uh, would cause us to pump the brakes a little bit in our life and say, you mean I've got to forgive? Amen. I've got to let go of some things in my life. I've got to let go of the wrongs, the trespasses that's been done in my life. Yes, you've got to let go of that. Amen. Why? Because you need forgiveness in your life. I need forgiveness in my life. Amen. And I'm thankful for God that is forgiving. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to read all of this, but in John the 8th chapter, Jesus is teaching a principle of mercy and uh, Jesus is showing mercy in his uh, in his ministry in his life he is in the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again to the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them and in the midst of this lesson amen uh, the Bible tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. She's caught. She's guilty. Amen. Uh, the, 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 the proof, we have the proof. We've got witnesses. We've got everything that we need. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? It was kind of funny because the lawgiver is there. The one that told Moses and wrote the law, is there. They're trying to tempt him. They're trying to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as though he has not heard them. And verse 7, they continued asking. He lifted himself up. He stood up and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, he turns this. He, he does something that, 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 that um, Jesus is brilliant. I mean, he, he, he just is. He, he has this way, and Jesus is, I mean, the emotions that he portrays, there's sometimes that he's angry. There's sometimes that he's frustrated in Scripture. You can tell. And this is one of those times that he's just, he, he's just going to use their own words against them. But he's trying to teach them a new concept. Not that they're wrong. They're right. That's what the law says. That's what the word that he gave, said, she's guilty. He said in the law to stone her. 
Jesus never once pointed to them and said, you're wrong because they're right. Sometimes we're wrong when we're right. Brother Hilton, when I was assisting him, there were times I would go to him and I would tell him, I don't understand what you're doing. If I was pastor, you probably have thought those words if you have not uttered those words. If I were pastor, the law says to do this. And in my righteous indignation, when I'm looking down my holier-than-thou nose, Jesus said, I'm not wanting you to look at her. I want you to look at you. It was in one of those conversations, I vividly remember it, that Brother Hilton told me, he said, Son, i got to give mercy because I've got to have mercy. The day came that I became pastor. And I realized some things shifted a little bit. I can tell my wife, I can be fussing on the way to church and say, now tonight, I'm fussing to deal with some things. Now tonight, I am tired of this. Now I'm fussing to handle this. And I get there and I handle it. And we get back in the car and she says, ooh, what you all fierce tonight? She's being very sarcastic and smart alecky. I'm like, well, they got my point. They knew. I realize even as pastor that there's sometimes those folks have got to show me mercy. This recent election, Brother Hilton's, I hadn't it actually been about two and a half, maybe three months since I even preached at, at the church at Monticello and he told me, he said, I, I, I'm afraid to have you back. He said, you always do so good. He said, you go drop the ball one time, and I don't want to drop the ball right before you, we elect you. So you just, <laughs> he, he, he's very good for the confidence. But I told him the other night, I said, there's going to be a time that you're going to wonder what in the world I'm talking about when I'm preaching, and I'm going to wonder the same thing. I'm not going to make sense. I'm going to drop the ball, and I'm going to need mercy. So Jesus is teaching in a very serious subject here, but 
he he turns it back to them and he lets them know he said you got to look at yourself if you're without sin go ahead and cast the first stone and and they they're convicted by their own consciousness because they remember times that they've been caught and and I'm going to tell you something it may not be this exact scenario but every one of us has been caught before we've been wrong we've been guilty Amen. And so Jesus is saying, don't look at her, but look at yourself. And they went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even until the, the, the last. And Jesus was left alone with this woman and standing there in the midst. And Jesus again stood up and he saw the, uh, the woman. He said, woman, where are, where are those that thine accusers? And hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no, Lord. And no man, Lord, and Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What an amazing way to teach this. He's turning this around. And in all in, in our lives, if we would do that when we're dealing with people, amen, when we're dealing with brothers and sisters, when we're dealing with people that are caught in faults, if we would look at our life, amen, before we start casting judgment, and we would realize that I, I would want somebody to be a little bit different in my life. I would want somebody to handle my life a little bit different. I would want somebody to treat my child a little bit different in in the circumstance that they'd been called in. Amen. And so Jesus is doing this. He's not He's not condoning. Amen. But neither is he condemning. Amen. And so when, when they looked at this and he's turning this around, he's not justifying. Amen. He said, don't do it again. Go and show and sin no more. But he's showing a guilty woman mercy amen one that's one of my favorite bible stories amen because this woman is wrong in every sense of the word amen this wrong woman is wrong amen by the word of god amen and that gives me hope amen because there's times amen that I got to come boldly into a throne room of grace and say Lord I need you amen I've messed up I need you and my friend that scripture is there because we can come boldly in that time of need amen that we can reach to him amen the mercy that he shows is because his love is so great for you he lived it. He lived it. He taught it. Matthew 27 and 15, when Pilate was trying to niggle away around that I, he could get Jesus off. Jesus has not done anything wrong. He's not worthy of death. And governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would and they had a notable prisoner a man there that was very famous but famous for the wrong things and Barabbas and verse 17 therefore when they were gathered together Pilate said unto them whom will ye that I will release unto you Barabbas or Jesus which is called Christ he thought he had this solution figured out. There, there, no way they're going to want Barabbas. There's no way they're going to choose this man. This is the most vile prisoner I can think of. There's no doubt that 
that that that Pilate looked at one of the advisors and maybe the the chief of the prisons and said, Who, "Who's the worst guy that we got? Who who's the most terrible man that's in there? Give me a name, quick! Well, I got to go out and I got to present somebody." And they said, "Well, we got Barabbas. You know, he 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 he's pretty well known. He's a murderer. He's a, a seditioner. He he's he he's everything that anybody would not want. Surely, they wouldn't want him to be released." And the governor answered and said, which one of the twain, which of the two would you that I would release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate, he says, what shall I do then with Jesus? What what am I supposed to do with him? And they say, let him be crucified. Crucified. That's what we want you to do with him. This made no sense to Pilate. That, that he could not understand this. That, that, this. This is crazy. I picked the worst that I could find. And you're going to choose him? And P- Pilate was just flabbergasted. What evil hath he done? Well, well, what has he done wrong? And they cried, the more, let him be crucified. You see, Pilate couldn't understand it. Surely they would choose Jesus, but Barabbas. Why? You see, Barabbas couldn't die for Jesus. Jesus had to die for Barabbas. When we think about the worst of the worst, that's who Jesus died for. When we look and, you know, maybe I, I, I hear on the news things happening and deplorable things, and I think, oh, my, they ought to just do away with them. They ought, they ought to just take them right out and execute them for that. They, they ought not even give them a chance to live. But that's who Jesus died for. He loves them enough. Matter of fact, we go a little bit further in Luke the, the 23rd chapter, it talks about the thieves, the malefactors that were hanged with him in verse 39. They, 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 one of them railed on him, mocked him. If you be the Christ, save thyself and us. And the other, they, he answered, he rebuked him. He said, doest not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And, and we deserve this. We receive the due reward of our deeds. We're guilty. But, but there's something that this thief, this malefactor, he looks and he says, this man has done nothing wrong. There's somehow that there's something getting through to him. He said, we're, we're guilty. Then he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Remember me. He didn't ask for a pardon. He didn't ask to be let down off the cross. He said, Lord, would you just think about me? I'm guilty. 
this man that was condemned to die. Not thinking really about himself, but he says, I deserve this, but not Jesus. Jesus looks at him and verily, verily, or, or said unto him, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And that was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness all over the land. But if you go back to Mark, the 15th chapter and verse 25, it gives you a correlation that it was the third hour and they crucified him. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and so three hours, three hours that Jesus has been on this cross. The whipping that they gave him on the whipping post, most people would have succumbed to their injuries there. The loss of blood, the, the organs that were exposed, and now he's on this rough-hewn cross, and 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 they've got him on the cross. And, it, it, you know, if you've ever heard of the, the explanation given by medical doctors, it's phenomenal what, 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 the, what he went through. But to get a chance to breathe, he'd have to lift himself up with those that rough hewn wood digging into a back that was already torn to shreds just to get a breath of air. But then the, the weight on his feet with those nails that was driven in, then he would sag back down, creating the process of that cross digging into his back. For three hours. Three hours. For a thief. For a thief. For a thief that recognized, I deserve to be here. Uh, th this is not just a thief that got caught with his hand in the cookie jar one time. This is a repeat offender. This is a man that deserves to be there by law. Remember me. Three hours of agonizing pain beyond belief. The thief against a, one thief begins to rail on him, and then one asks to be remembered. I've a, I, three hours in, this guy repents, and but you find that Jesus is on the cross for six hours. Why? Six hours. This guy, he repents of source after three hours. That should be enough. But could it be that he waited another three hours for a cry from another thief asking to be remembered that never came? Could it be, Brother Akers, that he said, you know what? I waited for three hours for this one. I'll wait three hours for another. Mercy. Mercy. You see, all he had to do was to die for my sin. That's all he had to do for your sin. If that would have been me, I, I you know, I, I can understand the agonizing prayer in the garden. Let this cup pass for me. I, I don't want this. This is not I, what I would do. I, let, let, I want it to pass from me. No, you got to go to the whipping post and you got to go to the cross. How long do I got to stay on the cross? You got to die for the sins of the world. Okay, let me die quick. But 
but the awesome God that we have. There's a thief. That he had to live for. And he lived for six hours. When all he had to do was to die for mine. I'm trying to paint you a picture today of the great mercy of God, of the goodness of God, because all of us need this picture in our mind, but maybe you don't need it so much today as maybe in the future. But there's somebody here today that you're just wondering, is there hope for you? Maybe you feel like you've messed up beyond any mess up possible, but I'm here to tell you today and to paint you a picture of a masterpiece of mercy of what God would do. We can look at the adulterous woman, man, and we can look and we can understand that that the word of the law, but we see where mercy steps in, where the goodness of God is there. And, and he's not condoning, but he's not condemning. He says, go change your life, sin no more. We can look at Barabbas and, and the thieves on the cross, and we can look at all of that. Amen. Because someone, when you look at their life, someone loved them. They were they, they're, maybe a parent, a spouse, or perhaps a child. Amen. They were somebody's loved one at some point in life. And, and not everybody looked at them the way that we look at them, the way the news portrays them. But there's somebody that looks at them and said, that's my baby. Amen. And they see and, and they see them as what their mind builds that story around them. You see, the way love changes the way we see. Have you ever made this statement? If that was my child. If that was mine. But it changes when it becomes yours. I, I, I've had family tell me that, oh, if. My child's not going to do that. My child. And then I've watched them with their child. And it's, you know, now don't you do that again. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we might have to call child abuse. Do you think you could get any softer with that? Oh, you laugh because you see yourself in that picture, especially you grandparents and great-grandparents. You're the world's worst. You're the reasons, and I won't go any further, but I, I, I've seen it. Love changes the way we look. Love changes the way we see, and somebody loved every one of these. But when you look, when you look at the mercy of God, when you look at what God did for them, 
how wonderful that was. But then in the midst of that, and, and, and you, you find in our text in Psalms 84 and 3, you look at really what a great picture that mercy paints. The Word of God paints a mercy. He says, Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for her herself where she may lay her young even thine altars O Lord of hosts my king my God and and you look at that and and, and that really on, on the surface it doesn't seem like a whole lot but if you'll dig into a little bit about the sparrow you'll find that the sparrow they're 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 common they're they're a common bird to see but among a lot of bird lovers, people that watch birds, sparrows are among the most hated bird because they're mean. They're murderous even. They are hateful birds. They'll drive other birds away. I was reading and doing some study about them and said they will enter into a nest and they'll see a nest of another bird and they'll go in that nest and they will just peck holes in the other edge just to kill them. Many times when those eggs have already hatched out and it's just the hatchlings there, it's just the baby birds, that sparrow will go in and just peck them in the head just to kill. They're hated. But the masterpiece of mercy... When the Lord begins to paint his picture of mercy, oh, we can see Barabbas being there and the woman caught of, in adultery. We can see the thieves there. And, and somewhere over there in the corner, I see myself being painted in, Brother Robbins, and I, I can see that. But, but I, I never really wondered about the birds, the sparrow that was there. I didn't really understand the significance of that, of how often he talked about it. Amen. But it has to include the sparrow because the sparrow has, found a way into the house of God. Even at the altars, the sparrow is there. Amen. Luke 12 and 6, he gives us a little bit more insight. Amen. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies if you would? And there is not one of them that is forgotten before God. Amen. He said, they're sold for almost nothing. They're worthless birds. Amen. They're common. They're worthless, but not one. One of them is forgotten by God. Amen. Not one of them. Many would say a sparrow, amen, wouldn't deserve mercy. Amen. As murderous as they are. Amen. But my friend, many would look at us and say we didn't deserve mercy. But God knows, amen, the moment that that sparrow falls. Amen. The God knows the moment, amen, that that common bird, that murderous bird, amen, he knows when he falls. But then he talks about you in verse 7. He says, but even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. He said, if I know when they fall, if I know Amen. When they when they falter. Amen. When one hits a glass and it falls to the ground. Amen. When a BB is shot by a little kid and it and it kills one of them. Amen. When something happens, amen, that, that sparrow falls. The master says, I know where they're at. But in that place in your life when 
you're the one that's caught, when you're the one with the head down, hanging in shame, when you're the one that's being crucified, amen, by the voice of the enemy, the things that are going on in your life that you feel that you don't deserve any mercy or grace in your life, when you feel like you can't get up and go again, when you feel like there's no hope for you, he says, I want you to know you're more value than many sparrows. I want you to know I know every detail about your life. I can know every detail about you, amen, even to the numbers of hair that is on your head. I know everything about you. Amen. I'm so thankful for God that loves me and I'm so thankful for God that loves you. Amen. A God that cares about you. Amen. I, I want you to know today that I don't know where you've been at. I don't know what you've gone through. Amen. But I want to tell you something. God is more interested in your future than what he is in your past. Amen. you got a God that loves you. Amen. Man, you got a God that wants to reach in your life. And church, we can, I'm thankful for the change that God has made in our life. Amen. I, I, I wouldn't always be like this. In 1992, God changed my life. In December the 13th, in 1992, it, it was a life-changing day in my life. Amen. That God forgave me of my sins and washed all of those sins away. Amen. But it wasn't always like that. Amen. And, and today, I, I, I might be comfortable putting on a suit and tie and coming to the house of God and preaching. Amen. But I still remember, amen, much like the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 and it talks about everything. Amen. The bad, amen, people that we wouldn't be associated with. Uh, fornificators and idolaters or adulterers and the effeminate, the abusers of themselves with mankind. Thieves, the covetous, the drunkards, the revelers, the extortioners. All of those, amen. But then, amen, the writer, the preacher, amen, he says, and such were some of you, amen, that you got to remember where you were at, amen. You got to remember before the grace and mercy of God reached down into your life and picked you up, amen. Why do you got to remember that? Because you got a God that loves you. You got a God that's reaching, amen, and if he reached, for you. Amen. I got to reach to somebody else and I've got to pick them up and I got to tell them that there's hope. There's hope for them. Amen. That you can be saved. You're more valuable than many sparrows. Your life may not be what you wanted it to be. You might be at a point in your life and you think, I, I sure had different dreams. I had different hopes. But you can still be a part of God's masterpiece of mercy. You got a God that loves you. I don't know what happened to the woman after Jesus showed mercy, Brother Akers. I, I don't know what she did with her life. I sure would love to see a postscript of that. I, I don't know what Barabbas ever did. Oh, I wish I knew. I wish there would have been something that would have been written about what Barabbas, what a change that he made in his life. But I don't know. We can ponder those questions, but the question today is what will you do with it? What will you do? 
You see, he loved you enough that in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He loves you. When life is not what we want it to be, he gives us the opportunity to be born again. Not just a not just the scripture and the word of God when we read Acts 2 and 38 when Peter told them to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he, he made it a little bit more personable. He took it further with that. He said, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But the promise is unto you. And I reach to that and I grab the whole that, that promise is mine. And you got a promise today. You got a promise today that your life can be different. That there can be a renewing in your life, a rebirthing in your life. That of all the things that you wish you could redo that maybe you can't undo there's there's a precious place amen that we can have all of that washed away in Jesus name and I'm telling you if you've never been baptized in Jesus name it's it's almost unexplainable the feeling that comes that newness I, I, I could try to tell you but Uh, It's better experienced just to feel that newness of God reaching and touching in life. He loves you. He loves you. As you stand with me today, and He gives us opportunity to be born again. You know, sometimes even, it's a long time saint of God, there's times that I have to find myself at an altar. And I have to lay before him and say, Lord, I messed up. Would you forgive me, God? Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? Lord, would you help me? There's times I have felt that I was so far down. But when I began to reach up, I could feel his hand in mine as he began to lift me up. He loves you today. He wants to paint you in the midst of a masterpiece of mercy. You're not worthless. He loves you. And if he knows when that sparrow has fallen, you better believe he knows when you've fallen. Amen. That's why he said he'd leave the 90 and the 9 to go after the 1. He loves you today. And so today, as my wife begins to sing, maybe you've fallen. Maybe you feel hopeless in this house today. I want to tell you there's a place that you can come today. You can obtain mercy in a time of need today. I invite you, these altars are open. You want another opportunity at life. Amen. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost in your life. There's no better place today, no no better time than today. 
amen, to let God fill you with his precious spirit. Amen, the Holy Ghost is for you. Baptism in Jesus' name is for you. Renewing is for you. Amen, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, you got a God that loves you.